we lived in a perfect world, then we wouldn't need face masks. Nor would we need a proliferation of hand sanitizers if we lived in a perfect world. If we lived in a perfect world, my favorite state of Florida would not need evacuation signs because there would be no hurricanes and there would be no foul weather. If we lived in a perfect world, there would be no wildfires out west. There would be no earthquakes out in California. If we lived in a perfect world, there would be no floods, there would be no tsunamis. If we lived in a perfect world. If we lived in a perfect world, there would be no coronavirus. And there would be no such thing as an international pandemic. But the fact of the matter is, we don't live in a perfect world. Matter of fact, we live in a fallen, broken, and imperfect world. But even in an imperfect world, life happens. But also, stuff happens. And I'm putting that word stuff in quotations. Stuff happens. And I got a feeling that you are acquainted with stuff. Because the fact of the matter is, you got stuff. And I got stuff. And we all got stuff <laughs> in our lives. We're stuffy people. We, have, we all have stuff in our lives. But here's one of the amazing things that this text has shown me. It's, it's amazing to me that God uses fallen, faulty people to help other people deal with their stuff. Let me, let me say that again because that's absolutely amazing to me. When I read this text and I asked God to help me to understand this text, I began to come to grips with what God was revealing. And God uses stuffy people, and we all got stuff. God uses frail, faulty, sinful people to help other people deal with their stuff. That's amazing to me. Uh, that, that, that's amazing to me how God, how God uses broken vessels. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels or, or jars of clay. Do you realize how fragile a jar of clay is? If you have a jar of clay on, on, on a table like this, you happen to bump the table, and if it wasn't a rug on this floor, and that jar of clay hit the ground without the rug on the floor, do you know what would happen? It would shatter. Sometimes, sometimes the devil has us on the precipice, on the edge. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Hit me up. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Because we're broken vessels and we get pushed too far from the edge and life bumps us. We fall over and we break because we're, we're not shatterproof in this life. You know, we, we, we feel, but God happens to desire to use us to be a help and to be a blessing to other people. Now, I want you to take a look at verse 1 because verse 1 blew me away because 
Verse 1 helps me to understand why stuffy people don't get blown out the box all the time. God counteracts the stuff that we go through. God counteracts the stuff we have in our life with the fact that God is just pure D good. Yes, did you hear what I said? Yes. Let me say it again. Man, man, I, don't, I don't think y'all heard that because if you did, somebody, at least three people would have said, thank you, Jesus. Yes. I have found out from living in this life that in spite of myself, yes, yes, yes. God is just good. Yes, yes. He's pure D good. Not what, yeah, that's what I was looking for. I had to get a little loud because that's what I was looking for. Amen. Amen. You got to know that for yourself. If you've been inhaling and exhaling, God has been good to you. Not be, oh, Sister T said it. Not because we were good, but because God is good. Amen. Amen. Listen to this. And this kind of counteracts the stuff we go through in, in our life. In verse 1, the Bible, this is Pastor Moses speaking to this new generation who's, they're young, they're ready, they're primed, they're trusting God, they believe in God. They're going over, they're crossing over, unlike their parents. He says to them now, when the, watch this now, when the Lord your God destroys the nations whose land he is giving you. Pause right there. Push the Amen. pause button. Amen. I just want to highlight the fact that God is pure D-good. Did you take a look at it with that text you see it? Did, did, did you happen to gather who's going to do the destroying of your enemies? Amen. Well, when, when the Lord your God destroys them, yeah. the nations. Uh -huh. not, 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 not the people. Not you. I know you might got some people that oppose you. I know you might have enemies. I know you got some people on the street that might not like. They might not even like how you look. But you don't have to worry about your enemies if you in God. You don't have to worry about that supervisor that get on your nerves if you're okay. You don't have to worry about anyone because anyone that opposes you is opposing God because you're a child of God. Your enemies are God's enemies. You belong to him. When the Lord your God destroys the nations, they don't even, they don't even have to fight. You know what I'm saying? There's a passage in Exodus, they get ready, Carl. God just said, just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Isn't that right, Carlos? You, you just stand still and watch me work. <laughs> you see what I'll do to Pharaoh. Just stand still. See what I'll do to the Red Sea. Stand still. See what I'll do to your enemy. But notice this. Notice the text where the Lord your God gives the nations whose land, and this is what I tried to highlight a few sermons ago, whose land he has given you. Do you know who he is? Thank you. He's given you the land. Since I found out, since I gleaned from the Bible that God gives land, uh -huh. I mean, that's what the text says. And the Bible says God is the same yesterday, he's the same today, he's the same, but God don't change. He has a capacity to give land. I said a few sermons ago, I stand on this promise now, God can give us Shadeland Avenue. Yeah. I'm, not ta I'm talking about for the kingdom. That's what I'm talking about. Right. God can give us Dixon Street for yeah. the kingdom. God gives land. The text says so. Amen. And this was enemy land. This, this was land. You, 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 think, you think there's issues in your neighborhood. I'm not talking about just this neighborhood. There's issues in Mount Lebanon. That's right. There's issues in, in, in Fox Chapel. There's issues in McCandless. Pete, I know you're from McCandless, but y'all got issues. There's, there's issues in, 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 in Wexford. Everywhere you go because issues are a result of sin and there is no sinless humans. Humans are sinless, sinful wherever they are. But God gives land because God is good. 
Now watch this now. You will take over their land. It's all in verse 1. This counteracts the stuff we have to go through. I just had to point this out because I want you to see from the text, in addition to what he's doing in your life, that God is a good God. He's worthy of us pausing the clap. Matter of fact, right now, let's just take some time to say thank you, God. Right now, right now, let's take an opportunity to just, just give him some thanks because God is a good God. I always encourage you to thank him. God is an awesome God, and he's worthy to be praised. The land he has given, you will take over their land and settle in their towns and settle in their homes. The home you got, in other words, is not a home that you constructed or you built. It's a home that was there that I'm giving you. <laughs> you know, if you want to settle, it was theirs, but I'm going to move them out the way because you belong to me so you can settle in what used to be theirs. It's just examples of God being a good God. Amen. He's an awesome God. Yeah. And by the way, whatever you got right now today, whatever roof is over your head, it's not because you're smart. It's not because you got a good job. It's not because you got resources. It's because God is gracious. God is good. God loves you. God helps you. God prepares for his people. God blesses his people. God is just a good God. Verse 1 of the text makes that really plain and really clear to us. But when you get over there, this is how I found out. This is how I found out New Hope. We will never be the church God would have us to be unless we help other people. Amen. We got to help other people. Notice what he says next. Now, when you get over there and settle in all this stuff that's not yours that I'm going to give to you. When you get over there and settle into it, I'm going to give you time to settle in now because I, I'm gracious. I'm going to give you time. I got a, I got a quite a, matter of fact, I got a long rope. I, I give you space. I give you time. So settle in to all this goodness I'm, I'm giving to you. But notice verse 2. Then. Whenever you see then, ask when. Then is a time marker. Well, after you absorb my goodness, after you get settled in my goodness, notice what they're to do next. Then you must set apart three cities of refuge in the land. The Lord your God is giving you. Whoa! Did you get that? Right on the hills of getting over there and being richly blessed, right on the hills of that, the second thing they're they, they going to do, right on the hills of God, notice, right on the hills of God blessing them, they're not to go down to the promised land tavern and celebrate. Uh -oh. It don't say that. Did you pick that up? Yeah. They're not to go down to the, to the promised land. Speak easy. <laughs> but right on the heels of me blessing you and you get settled in, then you shall set apart three districts, three cities of refuge, survey the territory, divide the land your God, the land your God has given you into three places, three cities, in each of those districts. In other words, um, right after I bless you, I want you to bless somebody else. Amen. I want you to prepare the land I gave you to help somebody else who got some stuff mm. in their life. And we're going to get to the stuff that's in their life. But what I first want you to pick up 
is this is all God's. This is God's mindset. We got to identify with his mind. His mindset is right after you, I bless you, start preparing to help somebody else. Amen. If all you're doing is absorbing God's blessings, absorbing God's resources, but never doing to help, some, help somebody, never doing anything to help somebody else, that's a sad commentary on being a Christian. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to teach the truth. Right after going into this land, they got to set aside three cities in their land. They got to divide it up. They can't be selfish about it. You know what I mean? They can't say, oh, you know, that's part of my uh, 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 property. That's part of my own. No, 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 no. It's not about that. We got to look out for somebody because there's going to be somebody coming along that got some stuff in their life. And God wants to use us to help other people get stuff because we got stuff. Amen. So we will sometimes need people to help us with our stuff. So God is wanting us to help the next person with their stuff. Set aside these cities, call them cities of refuge because if someone kills somebody, now this is major duty stuff. But see, stuff happens. It does. The Bible is acknowledging that. It's pointing out if somebody kills another person, it can happen. They can flee to one of the cities that you set up from your own land. Well, it's yours now, but it's my land. I gave it to you. So do what I tell you to do with it. I gave it to you. I'm the one who gave it to you, so help somebody else out. So if somebody kills somebody and they're on the run, you can, you can allow them to come to one of these cities. There's three of them you're to set up so they can get some safety. Isn't God amazing? I see nothing but compassion here. I see nothing but mercy here. I see nothing but, let me say it this way. Make it plain. God cares. Let's say it like that. Can, can you hear me when I say God cares? Amen. I mean, I mean, he's the God of the universe. I didn't know whether I was going to say this or not, but I'm going to go ahead on and say it. You, you, you know, you, you probably have heard that our founding fathers were Christians, you know, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, all of them, and I don't know, I wasn't there. Maybe they are. Maybe they were, rather. I wasn't there. But it's also been reported to me that um, several of our founding fathers um, were deists, what's called deists. And what a deist is, is um, a deist is a person that believes in God. You know, they believe some of the Bible, not necessarily all of it, not necessarily the miracles, but they believe some of the Bible. But they, 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 they believe that God created the heavens and the earth, just like the Bible says. But then they, deists believe that once God created the heaven and the earth, he kind of detaches himself and crosses his legs and turns everything over to us without his involvement. That's one of the major tenets of deists. Now, I don't know if founding fathers, if some of them were deists or not, but it's been reported to me by historians that I've read that some of them were deists. That God detaches himself after he, after he creates things and just kind of crosses his legs and let, let you go for it on your own. That cannot be proven with scripture. Amen. Amen. What I see from the text 
is God is actively involved. <laughs> what I see from the text, by God's word and by God's spirit, he is sovereignly and providentially involved in all the affairs of mankind. Let me say it again. God cares. Amen. Why would he else would he take time to make provisions for somebody who kills somebody accidentally to make sure that they have justice if he didn't care? If he was just sitting back crossing his legs, sipping on a Coca-Cola while the world goes on its own, why would he make provisions? Matter of fact, why would God allow you to breathe if he didn't care? You can't breathe without God's intervention. You can't see with God's out God's intervention. You would still be waiting to exhale if it wasn't for God's direct intervention in your life. Don't you believe any deistic theology? Know what the Bible says. It's in him that we live. We move and have our being. You can't move without him. He do that in him because he cares. I said he cares. And I know from a personal testimony with some of the stuff I've been through in my life before I got saved, I should have lost my mind a long time ago if it had not been for Jesus. Even when I didn't know Jesus, he knew me and kept me from myself. I should have been in a straitjacket. I should have been slobbered. I should have been out of my total mind. But Jesus is a mind regulator and a heart keeper. Thank you, God. So one of the things that you got to get, because I want always, the world's design is to help people. And, and, and part of my job is to help you with the word. That's what God called me to do. And here's what I, I, I got, you, you got to get because I don't want your blood pressure to be going up unnecessarily. I don't want you to be having anxiety attacks. God is not calling you to that. So you got to know this. We should not be betting people. But if somebody put a gun up to your head and, and tell you you better bet on this, this is what you should bet on. That in a fallen and broken world, you can be sure of this. Stuff is going to happen. Amen. And stuff is going to happen to you. Stuff you didn't plan on. Stuff you can't control. Stuff that was not part of your hopes, your dreams, and your aspirations. But you can be sure that in a fallen and broken world, be sure of this one thing, stuff happens. Can I get a witness? Amen. 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 So here's why I want you to keep your blood pressure level low. Don't, don't, don't sweat it. Don't have anxiety attacks. Know that the Bible teaches that stuff happens, so don't be surprised when there's twists and turns and bumps on the road of life, and don't be surprised when there's twists and turns and bumps in church life. Because not only is there stuff, since we got stuff in our lives, guess what? Stuff is going to be in the church. So don't get surprised. Don't get shocked 
When, when, you in, when you're in church service and weird stuff might happen, or, or somebody that's a believer come off in some kind of weird kind of way. We are stuffy people. We got issues. Amen. And there's going to be, and since, since the church is inhabited by human Christians, we're saying, got that, but you're still a human. You still got a sin nature. You still fall short. You still got issues. You're still limited. That means there's going to be issues in the church. There's going to be stuff in the church. Don't leave. That's right. Amen. In search of the perfect church. Matter of fact, when I started my, early on in my seminary career, I had to take a class. I had to take a course. It was called the Doctrine of the Church. Another technical name for it, a theological name for it is ecclesiology, which means the study of the church. And then that um, course called the Doctrine of the Church, Ecclesiology, Study of the Church, there was a section entitled this. It was, the section was entitled The Imperfections of the Church. That was the subject. That was the, the imperfections of the church. Baby, I didn't need a seminary course <laughs> to teach me about the imperfections of the church. I had already been a Christian for quite a few years when I was in seminary. I already knew something about the imperfections of the church. You don't have to have a seminary course to find that out. All you have to do is get saved. Uh-oh. <laughs> and be in fellowship. And, and it, it won't take long for you to find out that we all still got a sin nature. Amen. 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 In profession of the church means we fall short. It means that church people sometimes act whack. Uh-oh. Right? Amen. You, know, you, you, know how that, you know how that is, is worded in the Greek? It's worded in the Greek like this. Church folk can get whack. That's the Greek. <laughs> it's all the same. We have issues, right? But watch this now. There may be times, New Hope, and I'm t- this, this is from the word. I got to back up with word. I'm just trying to help you so you won't, your blood pressure won't go up and you won't have anxiety attacks. There may be times when our hearts and intentions are good, yet things don't work out well anyhow. Even when our intentions are good. Even when our heart is good. Now, if you don't believe me, when you get home, read John 16, verses 32 through 33. That's the account of Peter. Jesus tells Peter, Peter, I have to leave you all now. I got to go back to my father. Jesus tell, I mean, Peter tells Jesus, I want to go with you. Jesus said, you can't go with me, Peter. Not now. Not, not now. Peter can't handle that. Peter says, no, I want to go with you now. Peter says, don't you understand, master? I will even lay down my life for you. Jesus says, Peter, you'll lay down your life for me? This very night, Peter, before the cock crows, before the rooster crows, you will deny me not once, not twice, but three times. You know what? Stuff happens. And I believe Peter was sincere. I mean, I, I believe when he said it, I believe his heart was really right. He loved the Lord like that. His heart was right. But in between the time he said it and when the stuff hit the fan, would you, would you agree stuff happens? 
Get this. Don't, don't, don't miss this. Since we are in agreement with the fact that stuff happens, I kind of wanted to do an informal survey, informal survey to see if you're in agreement with that. And you seem to be nodding your head with me like you, you, you understand stuff happens. Well, since stuff happens, the church must be proactive and prepare and prepare. I want to highlight prepare for stuff happening. Amen. <clears throat> I'm a football fan. I was talking to Sister T about football this morning. I didn't know she, 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 she watches football. And we were talking about football right before we start our worship service. But do you realize every NFL team, before the season starts, do you realize they go into training camp? Every NFL team goes to training camp before the season starts. Isn't that right, Randall? Typically, the Steelers, they, and typically all teams, they go off to a far uh, remote area away from familiarity, away from what you're used to. We got to get you away because a part of training is indoctrination and changing how you think and getting you in the right frame of mind physically, mentally, and emotionally. You got to get away from your routine. Normally, it's in Latrobe, PA, at St. Vincent College, <clears throat> out Route 30, about 45 minutes an hour from here. But they couldn't go there this year. Steelers couldn't because of COVID. So they had to have their training camp. Uh, at Three Rivers State, at Heinz Field. <laughs> I got the old mindset. Not Three Rivers. Three Rivers ain't even there anymore. At Heinz Field, right? But every NFL team has to go through training camp. You know why that is? Preparation. It's to prepare for the stuff that's going to happen on the field during the regular season. You're in training camp right now. Amen. This is your training camp. Amen. Because God is using the time we come together to hear the teaching of God's word to prepare you for the stuff that's going to happen on the field of your life. This is your training camp. And see, you're, the way you, 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 you go through training camp, see, if you don't get in shape during training camp, if you can't carry your load during training camp, don't expect to be serving. Don't expect to be on the first team. Don't expect to be playing. Matter of fact, you might not be a part of the team. There's a purpose for training camp. It's to get you ready for the stuff that's going to take place on the field. My job as the assistant coach, Jesus is the head coach. I'm just an assistant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my job is when Jesus gives me the game plan, is to communicate the game plan to you so that we can all be ready when the field of life hits us. We can be prepared and ready because we've been in training camp. Yes. Amen. Amen. We got to be proactive, not reactive. Too often the church wants to react to stuff. We got to start preparing so we don't have to react. We can already be proactively doing God's will. Our God whom we follow is a God of preparation. You know that, don't you? Genesis 1, 1, 3. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth because he's a God of preparation. He said, let there be. And there was because he's a God of preparation. Check it for yourself. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. Revelation 21 and verse 2. I saw the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem for the old heaven and all earth had passed away. I saw the new Jerusalem, the holy city, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Prepared because God is a God of preparation. Amen. 
How about eyes have not seen, neither have ears heard, neither have they entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. Amen. He's a God of preparation. What did Jesus say? Part of what Jesus left the world to go back to the Father, a part of it was, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. He's the Lord of preparation. My question is, I gave you all of that biblical data because my question is, he's the Lord of preparation. Are we a church of preparation? I've been sent to ask that question so we can get busy as elders, as trustees, as worship team members, as ministry heads. Are we a church of preparation? Are we prepared? You told me you agree that stuff happens. But, but, but since we serve a God of preparation, are we as a church prepared? A good question for the church to ask itself is this. This is for us. We think like, we should think like this. If this happens, we will do blank. But that has to be a part of the formula of how we think. If this happens, you're in business. You have to have some kind of concept. If this happens, Amen. what are we going? We have to be prepared, right? Amen. If you're a parent, you got children, you have to be prepared. We have young people in college. They don't go there without some preparation, both on the parents' end and on their end. So what about us as a church? Are we asking ourselves the question, if this happens at our church, we will do. And, and that, that takes prayer. Amen. Right? Last point. That was my second one. Just got one more. We live in a world where a lot of stuff matters. We say, black lives matter. Black lives do matter. All lives matter. But here's something else. A part of black lives matter is the fact that what Jesus is teaching us, justice matters. Amen. He's telling them to prepare cities for someone who kills someone unintentionally. You say, what? I say, someone kills somebody unintentionally. It can happen. Stuff ha he gives an example in verse 5, right? You chopping wood, you ain't trying to kill anybody. That's your boy. I mean, that's your, uh, you know, that's your sister. That's your girl. You ain't trying to kill her. But the axe head flies off the handle. You know what I'm saying? Hit someone, they, get, they die. You ain't trying to do that. That was an accident. Stuff happens. But watch, he uses people, the covenant people of God to make provisions for them. You, you just don't blow it off and say, oh, that's on them. They, 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 they shouldn't have been chopping wood. Uh, uh, they, you, whatever. They shouldn't have, they should have made sure their handle was tight before they ever, no, 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 no. Stop trying to prejudge people. Stop trying to evaluate what happened. Help them. 
We so often want to judge people and evaluate why they did that and make rumors about people. You don't know. Help them. I want to close by asking you to look at verse 6 and 7. You, you still got your Bible open. I know you do. Amen. If the distance to the nearest city of reference is too far, someone in the rage of vengeance, somebody from the family, let's say, or some good friend, some of his posse, the person who got killed, they don't know the circumstances. They might come after you. All they know is you was involved with, with the death of their loved one, and they want revenge. They might chase you down and kill the person who caused the death. Then the slayer, God says the slayer would die unfairly. New hope. Justice matters. This is God speaking. He says they would die unfairly. From God's perspective, he's concerned with fairness. Are you? Am I? Are we as a church? They would die unfairly. God does not want that to happen since he never shown hostility toward the one who dies. Look at verse 7. That is why I am commanding you to set aside these three cities of refuge. God cares. God is concerned about justice. And when God blesses you with more, expand your help. Get, make more cities of refuge. Because there's going to be a lot of stuff happening in life. And a lot of people are going to need help. As God bless you, expand your helping capacity. We are never blessed to be selfish. Never. Amen. God blesses us to be a blessing. Check Genesis 12 with Abraham. I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing, Abraham. That's the pattern. So with the last points, since justice matters to God... You see it in this text. You'll see it in Isaiah 30:18. I put, put that in your outline. Justice should matter to us. Justice must matter to God's people. Innocent people should not have to die. Let me say that again. Innocent people should not have to die. Deuteronomy 19:10. That's what God is saying. He's, he, he didn't do it on purpose. He shouldn't have to die. We see innocent people dying. That's what the protest movement is about. Well, that's what God is about. God said that shouldn't happen. Innocent people should not have to die. Can I make it real plain for you? We are our brother's keeper. Amen. That's, that's, that's basically what we're saying. <laughs> I've been saying it again. Thank you, sister. We are our brother's keeper. Oh, but, but Pastor... He gets on my nerve. You don't know. He all right, but he gets on my nerve. We are our brother's keeper. Amen. I don't like her. She thinks she's cute. We are, brother is a metaphor for sister. It's a metaphor for humanity. We are each other's keepers. I don't care whether what you think about their personality or what they look like. That's immaterial. Amen. Your personality ain't so nice either sometimes. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, inter now this broke me away, then we're done. But you've got to have this. 
Interestingly, if God's people don't guard the innocent, particularly in matters of murderous, murderous injustice and capital punishment, if we don't guard the innocent in those areas, this is awesome to me. Notice where the text goes. God holds his people responsible. You say, what? Look at, look at verse 10. This is amazing to me. If we don't guard justice, particularly in matters of murderous injustice and murder and examples of the innocent getting capital punishment, if we as God's people don't guard that sacred trust, God holds us responsible. It didn't say God holds the, 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 the um, court system responsible. It don't say that. It doesn't say God holds the legislators and the politicians responsible. He holds his people responsible. Isn't that amazing? Look at, uh, now if you don't believe me, look, look, look at this real closely. Mm. Verses 9 and 10. You must designate these three additional cities. He talked about the people in covenant with him. Israel, God's Old Testament people. Amen. We're his people Amen. today. But if you don't, it, it, you know, you got to build these three additional cities and so forth. Uh, uh, look at verse 10. That way you will prevent the death of innocent people. Verse 10, this is, this is clear. In the land that the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession, you will not be held responsible for the death of innocent people. The converse from that, uh, of that is, if you don't protect them with these cities, if you don't look out for the safety and the justice of the innocent, you're going to be responsible. God's people, not the legislators. Ain't that amazing? amazing. It, it says, basically, if you don't do, if you don't stand up for justice, I'm going to hold you accountable. And we all got to give an account. Amen. One day. Even saved people. We still got to give an account of what we've done in the body. Not, not for salvation. That's, that's from the cross. But according to scripture, there's going to be rewards. In heaven. Amen. And, and, and part of the rewards, not our salvation, but as I understand scripture, part of the rewards is based on what you do down here and what you don't do. And we have to all give an account. Ain't that amazing? It's amazing. I want to close by saying there's a chain reaction here because if you really pick up on, I want you to be familiar with the underlying principles that God gives us from his word. One of the underlying principles is that we are our brother's keeper. Another underlying principle is when stuff happens, grace happens. Did you hear that? That's an underlying principle that, that's coming out from this text. When stuff happens, grace should happen. But you know what we do as a church too often? When controversial stuff happens, we start making up, coming up with rumors about the people. Oh, did you know they killed that person? I didn't know they were a murderer. Well, we don't know the details, but the way we are sometimes is we just start saying stuff about people, don't know the whole story, don't know the details, we just start talking about people. When God says when stuff happens, grace should happen. 
not talking about them, not running them down, not making up rumors about them, but grace should happen. And when grace happens, thanksgiving should happen. Is anybody in the sanctuary thankful for grace? Amen. Because when grace happens, thanksgiving should happen. But when thanksgiving happens, praise should happen. Do I have any praise patrol people in the house today that have made up your mind that you haven't got it right all the time? There's been some stuff that have happened in your life that you could not control and you didn't handle it too well. If truth be told, you could have handled it better, but you didn't handle it too well. If the truth be told, but God kept on helping you anyhow. God kept on blessing you anyhow. God kept on providing for you anyhow. You, you could have been different. You could have handled it different. God knew about it. He saw it. He knew it before. But God kept on helping you anyhow. Is there anybody in the house that's willing to join Pastor Cooper and say, God, I have not been everything that you have called me to be. I have not dotted every I. I have not crossed every T. But I'm so glad that when stuff happens, grace happens. I'm so glad that when I fall short, you get long. I'm so glad when the enemy goes low, you take me high. Thank you, Jesus. Glory! Stuff happens. Thank you, Lord. If God had a, if God had judged me for some stuff that I know I've done in my life, I wouldn't be standing here. I'll be honest with you. I would not. I would not. But he had grace and he had mercy. That's why I said this morning. You remember I said God is merciful. God. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And he never stopped loving me. I want to close by telling you something I heard a preacher say, and it kind of gave me pause, but he's absolutely right. He said, it's impossible for God to love you more than what he loves you. And I said, I had to think about it, but that's true. Your behavior and my behavior does not in any way reshape or diminish God's love for you. His love for you never changes. Ain't that good? I mean, it never changes. It's what they call in the Greek agape love. Agape love in the Greek literally means it's unconditional. There's no strings attached to it, so there's nothing you can do or don't do that will uh, impact or affect his love for you. Now that's awesome because humans, humans aren't like that for the most part. Humans are, are you know what? <laughs> Would you say something to you? <laughs> but anyhow, uh, I just want to encourage you to love some Jesus. <laughs> love some Jesus because he surely loves you. Amen. Would you join me on your feet, those who see it? Because I want to just say thank you, God. While we're standing, I want to say thank you. I want to stand in the shoes uh, of the priest who stands between God and the people Amen. and makes intercession and, 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 and offers to God the gifts of the people. And one of the things we want to offer to you is Thanksgiving right now.